introduce yourselves? I was going to say, I've met you before. I know I've seen you before anyway. Yes. Okay. Sure. Super. Well, we're glad to have you, and I knew I knew you, but I couldn't think of where I knew you from. So good to have you folks with us tonight, and uh, certainly enjoy to have you in the service this evening. Well, let's take our Bibles. Have you all been on the edge of your seats all day waiting for tonight? Uh, that's, that's the way it ought to be. Yes, sir, go ahead. Yes, you can't forget her. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, good to have you, Abigail. Thank you for being with us tonight. And uh, that's good. Praise the Lord for that. So, well, this morning we left you with the cliffhanger. And I don't normally do that. And uh, did any of you lose sleep today over it? I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I believe that or not, but... Uh, I'll tell you what, God is good, isn't he? And I love his word, especially when we learn some things from it that maybe uh, we've, we've read it before, but we haven't seen it in quite that light before. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 again tonight, and we're going to try to, Lord willing, finish up the material in this evening. And I hope it'll be a help to you. We're going to kind of tie up all the ends that we went out on this morning, um, dealing with... Uh, the relationships that God has given us in this life that beautifully and vividly illustrate our relationship to Him. And we looked at that in Ephesians chapters 5 and 6, and um, certainly was eye-opening to see that we have all of those relationships that are described there with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Him being as perfect as He is and all that He is, um, one relationship wouldn't have been near enough to describe it. And to be real frank with you, those are three that he gives us, but there's even so much more than that. And uh, it's such a joy to see those this, this morning. And if you missed the message this morning, um, the message tonight will make sense, but it will be more helpful if you can get uh, an opportunity to listen to the message this morning. It's kind of the foundation that we're building on tonight. And so I hope that will be a help to you. And uh, let's turn uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read uh, the first five verses again. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers, and this morning we said that is a key word here, uh, of Christ and stewards. And that's another key word here. And we're going to be looking at those a lot more carefully tonight. So let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified? But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. Father, we come to you tonight. We pray that you will bless tonight. Lord, it's very, very critical that we have your wisdom and the leading of your Holy Spirit in the preaching tonight, that it will be able to be drawn together and to make sense 
and will work in the hearts of each of us here tonight with its transforming power that your Holy Spirit will guide and direct. And I pray for the next several moments that we would take our burdens and our cares and our distractions and lay them aside and allow your Holy Spirit to have free course in our hearts, that we would yield at the onset of the message, that if you will show us your truth, we will already commit to you that we will walk into it. We will apply it to our lives. And so, Father, we ask tonight that you would bless in a very special way Lord, I've been excited all day about finishing up in the truth of this passage. And I pray that it will be a help to those that are here. And Lord, I pray mostly today or tonight that you would allow us the opportunity to get the clarity of this truth across without confusion, uh, but that it would be presented clearly and that it would be helpful to each and every one of us. We pray that we'll bring honor and glory to you throughout the remainder of this time. We thank you for the Snyders being with us. And what a joy of uh, being able to fellowship with them again and pray that you'll bless there as well in their ministry. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <coughs> we find in verse number 1 of chapter number 4 two key words, and we spent just a few moments on those this morning before we moved over to Ephesians chapters 5 and 6. And the first one was the word ministers here, and of course it's giving the mindset or the idea of service. And we gave the illustration of Scripture that is used so many times when it deals with this thing of ministering and how in the Old Testament uh, there were men that had responsibility and were brought in at different times when it was their lot to do so. They were brought into the temple and the tabernacle, depending on what time period they were in, for the purpose of ministering in the temple or in the tabernacle and the idea that they were to be serving the role of the priesthood and specifically in helping and assisting the high priest with the daily tasks and the ministration or the service of the temple. And so we find here that as Paul speaks of this, he mentions that we as Christians, and he's writing here, of course, to the church at Corinth, but that the believers in that church were to be the ministers of Christ, or in other words, the servants of Christ. And we find that principle of Scripture throughout Scripture, and so we know that it's in full agreement with that in the aspect that Paul considered himself a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Peter believed himself to be a servant, and many of the apostles all considered themselves to be servants. And then there's a certain teaching in Scripture that tells us that you and I are to be the servants of God. And uh, we find that in, I believe, uh, in fact, hold your place here for a minute, turn to the book of Galatians, and we'll see something about our service uh, to God. Galatians chapter number 2, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 1, and let's look at verse number 10. Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet uh, pleased men, I should not be the, what's the phrase here that's used? The servant of Christ. So our desire is not to please men or to serve men. And by the way, there's a lot of that preaching going on today, isn't there? Uh, there are churches that are teaching us that uh, it's all about how people and the world and men perceive you. And I know that we're to have a testimony. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But the important thing that drives my, my service and my actions is not at all what men think of me. But what does God think of me? My service is to him, not to men. And I'm not trying to please a man. I'm not trying to get the approval of man. 
Now, I understand the concept that we are to be a testimony to men, and we're going to see that as we get to the second key word here. Because we are to be servants to Christ, and then it says, and stewards of the mysteries of God. And the word stewards is an interesting word, and we said one of the great illustrations of it in the Old Testament would have been Joseph, <coughs> who was sold as a servant. He was the, 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 uh, sold into Potiphar's house as a slave or a servant to Potiphar, but yet God blessed him in the eyes of Potiphar and allowed him to rise to a position of being steward over all of his household. And so not only was he a servant, but he was given a position by the master to be a leader or an overseer, or we could say it an administrator, if you will. The Bible word here is a steward of the things that the master had entrusted to him. And by the way, can I tell you this tonight? If we are faithful in our service to God, he entrusts us with the things that he thinks are important. And what he entrusts you with may be different than what he entrusts me with. We all have a responsibility here. But we find the two key words dealing with the topic of service and dealing with the topic of leadership or administration or oversight of this thing. And let's look what the Bible says here. And stewards of the, here's the phrase that's used, the mysteries of God. The things that are unknown by a world that is in darkness. And the Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And you and I, as God's children, as God's servants, as God's, uh, as we talked about the relationships this morning, the relationship of husband and wife, the relationship of a child to a parent, the relationship of a servant to a master, in each of those roles of relationship, we are entrusted then with stewardship of the mysteries of God, the things that are unknown by a lost and dying world that is in darkness. And we hold in our hands tonight, or in our laps, if you will, the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so we are given stewardship, basically then, we could say it this way, we've been given stewardship of the mysteries of God, and the mysteries of God being the truth of Scripture that is vastly, in the day and age that we live, unknown by a lost world in a world in darkness. Now, it's very, very important that we understand the relationships that God gave us, because as we follow these relationships in our earthly life, we picture and we give um, uh, credence to and a, uh, a vivid illustration of the relationship that God has to us. This is many times a lot of what we do to portray to a lost and dying world some things. And I want us to look at those very quickly. The relationship this morning that we talked about of husband and wife, the wife is to be uh, submissive to her own husband. The husband is to love the wife as his own body, meaning he's willing literally to give his very life for the needs and the necessity and the protection and provision of his wife to cherish her. And uh, when you have a, a relationship like that, there's a very strong bond that cannot be broken there, and uh, that relationship is there. So we talked this morning then, because in a lot of times we know these relationships and what the Bible says, why is it so important that we pattern our marriages in this life and the fact that God has given us a spouse in this life, why is it so important that we pattern it after the biblical pattern? 
why is it so important that we pattern our lives as children, those that are young people in here, to the pattern God gives us and puts the responsibility on us to be obedient and to honor our parents? Why is it so important and imperative that we follow that biblical example? Why is it so important that we follow the biblical example of a, a servant to a master being obedient unto him as unto the Lord? The importance of following these patterns is this. It is a testimony to a lost world that is in darkness of the relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we don't follow these patterns that God's given us in Scripture, we are in essence saying that our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be shown forth in my life. Let me try to illustrate it this way. Back in the Garden of Eden, God created man. In fact, I think it's in chapter number 2, might be in chapter first part of chapter number 3, chapter, the end of chapter 2, I believe it is. The Bible makes this statement. Uh, that God created man, male in, uh, in his image, male and female created he them, both of them in his image. God created a man to be man so that he can reflect the image of God as a man. God created a woman to be woman so that she can reflect the image of God as a woman. And any time, we live in a day and age where this is very relevant, uh, Any time that a man tries to be something other than a man, he is no longer reflecting the image of what God created him to be. Any time a woman tries to be something other than a woman, she is no longer reflecting the image of what God created her to be. Now, we as Baptists and we as God's people sit here tonight and say, Amen, Brother Greg. Boy, I tell you, you get on that rabbit trail for a minute. But then when it comes to our relationships, the same principle holds true. Because in any aspect of any of those three relationships we talked about this morning, that we do not reflect the biblical pattern of that relationship, we are no longer illustrating and showing forth what God has intended to be shown by the earthly pattern of what our relationship with God should be like. And it's detrimental not only to us, but it's detrimental to other Christians. I'll tell you this, it's very detrimental to young people. They see it. And they're smarter than we think they are sometimes. Uh, they, can, they can sure be unwise about some things, but they're not dumb. And they see things. And when they look around at so-called Christian people, those that name the name of Christ, <coughs> and they do not see these biblical patterns being followed, their mindset then is, then why is it very important to me? Uh, so we find that these patterns are given so that we have the opportunity to reflect. You say, why is that important? Well, let's look at the very first phrase that is used in verse number 1 of chapter 5, 1 Corinthians. Let's look very carefully at it. Let, what's the second word here? A, right? Just the little article A. Are we all there? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Or, I'm sorry, four, chapter, did I say 5? I've been in 5 all, I've been telling you 5 all day. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. I get uh, uh, the Ephesians and Corinthians mixed up here sometimes. So, all right. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 1. Sorry about that. Let, what's the second word here? A, let a man so account of us. So we're not speaking of a specific person here, but we're saying men in general. This is just any man. If you bump into them, if you uh, have access to them, if, if you come across their path, let a man, what does the Bible say here, so 
account of us. In other words, we are to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. He's the only one I'm trying to please. But we are a testimony to men. Uh, The Bible says this, Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh upon the heart. And a lot of times people use that phrase to say, it doesn't matter how I live my life, because God knows my heart. Well, there's a lot of problems with that, not the least of them is which that you can't get bitter water and sweet water out of the same fountain. Uh, You can't get good fruit out of a a bitter tree. Um, But one of the great problems that we have in that passage of Scripture is we focus on God seeing the heart, and we very rarely deal with the fact that man looketh where? On the outward appearance. Can Can we turn that verse inside out from what we normally teach it tonight? Can I tell you this? A man, therefore, cannot see my heart. All he sees is my outside, isn't he? Well, think about that for a minute. Well, it doesn't matter how I live outwardly. God knows my heart. That's true, but man doesn't. You may love God with all your heart on the inside and live wicked on the outside. I don't think you can do it, but let's suppose tonight you could. Man, who we are to be a testimony to, man that we are supposed to be a light to, according to Matthew chapter number 5, and a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid, man cannot see my heart. So therefore, the only thing a man can see is what I do outwardly. Why is it so important then, as Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth here, that a man is supposed to be a minister of Christ, a servant of Christ, and he is to be a steward of the mysteries of God, and he prefaces all of this by saying, let a man so account of us, that we are to be able to be an example. When the world looks at you, they ought to look and say, there's a servant of God, a minister of Christ. Amen. There, there ought to be something different there. When a man looks at you or a woman looks at you, there ought to be something there that says this is someone who has the answer to the emptiness that I have. They have been entrusted. They are stewards of the mysteries of God. The, the darkness that I have in my life, they have the light that will drive it away. And they ought to see that. You say, Brother Greg, is it important? Yes, that we follow these patterns outwardly because they picture what is inside. Do you see, that, do you see what happens here? This morning we were dealing with the outward or the physical or the human roles in these relationships and how they picture a more vital biblical principle of our relationship to God. We come back now to... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 1, and we find that in the area of being a minister of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God, it is vitally important that we fill those roles, not just inwardly, but also outwardly. There should be no doubt that I serve a risen Savior. There should be no doubt. Years ago, my dad, for for many, many years after he started the church down in Florida, (coughs) wanted a radio station. He in the early days of the church, would go down to a local radio station and rent some time and would uh, do a daily devotion, preaching time. And uh, it got very, very expensive in the commercial market we were in down there in Florida. And so after a while, we couldn't afford to do it anymore. And 
then when we were able to do it again later on, the radio station didn't have any room for him. And literally for 38 years, my dad prayed that God would give us a radio station that we could put our services on, that he could teach on and preach on and reach people in the community that either couldn't come to church or wouldn't come to church. Two years before he passed away with terminal cancer, God opened the door and allowed us to start a radio station. About seven months before he became too sick to do anything, we completed work on the radio station. And the purpose of that was to try to be an example outwardly of all of these things, the the stewardship here and the ministry of Christ. And... uh, and how that and there was somewhere I was going with that illustration. I lost where I was going with it. I apologize for that. I'll think of it here in a minute. We'll get back on track. But um, anyway, the, the the radio station has been a big blessing, by the way. And we'll just talk about that till I think about it. But we find that the, the and I'll, I will get back to it here in just a minute because there was a critical thought there, and I lost it along the way, and I apologize for that. But we are to be outwardly ministers of Christ, and we're to be stewards of the mysteries of God. We are to be representing to them outwardly the things that are from the inside of us. Now look what it says here in verse number 2. Moreover, it is required in a student and stewards that a man be found faithful. I want us to look at these two things that are the key words here in this passage. The first one being our service. And I want to make this statement. This man that is spoken of here in verse number 2 uh, that is a steward and the one that is spoken of here in verse number 1 that is the minister of Christ is devoted or ought to be devoted to the service of the master. If you think of the Old Testament times of a servant-master relationship, when the master was in the house, the servant was to keep his eyes on the master at all times. When there were guests, when there was company, they were not to be heard, but they were to be watching the master. And they were to see what was the need of the master and to know his will and to know his heart and then to do it. And so we find here that the servant is to be absolutely and completely devoted to the service of the master. We said this morning a servant never has the right to tell a master where he's going to serve or how he's going to serve. It is simply for the servant to what? According to Ephesians 6 that we read this morning, a servant is to obey the master as unto the Lord. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but we're to be genuinely involved in intensely devoted to the needs of the master. We're to watch for the things that he's desiring his will for us to do. And we know tonight that God doesn't have any needs, right? I heard a man say one time, well, God needs you, my friend. God needs you. And I understand where he was going with it. But really, the truth of the matter is, God really doesn't need us, does he? Uh, He could have used anything he created to do his work, couldn't he? I mean, he even told people when he was walking into the streets of Jerusalem and they were crying out, Hosanna, he said, if these keep their silence, the rocks will cry out. Uh, the, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and affirm it showeth his handiwork. The Bible talks about the majesty of the trees and how they clap their hands in praise to God. Uh, God can use anything in creation to do his work. He doesn't need us, but I am so thankful that he chooses to use us. And because of that, our devotion and our dedication to him ought to be of the utmost. There ought not to be any reservation, anything held back. And I want you to notice, secondly, that because of our 
our devotion to him as a, a servant, that many times he will then entrust us with some things when it comes to his service. For instance, with the disciples, he entrusted them with sharing the gospel to the entire world. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He entrusted them with discipling and teaching those that were new converts. He entrusted them with being examples of his truth. And so we find, as we get here uh, in verse... Oh, hey, I remembered what I, where I was going with that illustration. Let's take it for a minute, okay? So when we, we're talking about the importance of what man sees on the outside. Uh, and we don't think that our testimony is very important. But uh, one of the things that when we got the radio station license, my dad said, and the only reason I'm going back to it is because it is very important. One of the things that he said when we finally went on the air, he said, Greg, he said, when we turn in that radio station, I don't care who it is, if they're going down the dial and trying to find a radio station and they come across ours, he said in the instant that it comes on, there needs to be no doubt that it is distinctively Christian. We get across, I don't know about you all, there's times I, I dial in a radio station to so-called Christian radio stations. You ever been there? And if you don't know any better and if you don't listen for a while, you don't know that it's a Christian radio station. It sounds like the world. Uh, it, it, they have the jargon like the world uses. And, I mean, everything just seems to... And so the importance of there being a distinctiveness about us. And uh, that's where I was going with that illustration. Now, coming back to where we were here about the de devotion to the master's service and the fact that we are to be faithful to what he has entrusted us to. That's what we find here in verse number 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The things that he has entrusted to us, the things that he's given his administration over, the things that he's given us leadership in, we are to be found faithful in them. We're to be steadfast, the Bible says, unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And as God is unmovable, we are supposed to anchor ourselves to Him and be unmovable as well. We're to be faithful and steadfast in these areas. Now I want you to notice three things real quick, and then we're going to be done here, that we find in these next few verses. When it comes to this idea of service and being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are many servants of God. In fact, we go around the room tonight... All of us, if we're trusting Christ as our Savior, are to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to help you with something tonight because a lot of folks, and especially in our Baptist circles it seems like, tend to have this issue. Servants are never to judge other servants. It's not my responsibility to look at another servant and evaluate, is he being faithful to his master? That is not my place. I am not a servant I'm not a master of that servant. I am a servant and a co-laborer with him. Who is the only one that has the right to evaluate a servant's? The master. His service. And I don't know about you all, but I see this happening a lot. Now, I do understand the concept, and the Bible teaches, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spirits will restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. But it says that we're to do that in a spirit of meekness. We're to do that having first examined ourselves and making sure that we're not straining at some major, major thing or some minor thing in their life and have some major thing in our life. We're to do that carefully and prayerfully and with the spirit not of criticism 
or of tearing them down, but a, a spirit of I'm trying to be a friend to them and restore them and edify them. It's the purpose of that. But we find here that a servant, a servant is never to be judging of another servant. You say, Brother Greg, where does it say that? Well, let's look at it. In verse number 3, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. He said, you know what, really, you can judge me all you want to, and you can judge one another all you want to, but the truth of the matter is, it's a very small thing. It's not something that we ought to be doing. It's not important, is what he was saying here. What was the crux of what he was saying here? What was the importance of what he was saying? He gets to verse number 3, and he says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of a man's judgment. Again, uh, uh, speaking here generally or generically of men. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. He that judgeth me is who? Who is it? The Lord. And so we've got to be careful of this. The Bible says we're not to think higher of ourselves than we ought to, so therefore we ought not to judge ourselves. Because I'll tell you this, man is prideful. And the old nature, if we begin to judge ourselves, we'll start thinking pretty highly of ourselves, won't we? Boy, I tell you what, look at what I did. And we'll get a muscle cramp patting ourselves on the back. And so we ought not judge ourselves. We ought not judge one another. We're not to uh, uh, look at ourselves and, and to care about ourselves and judge ourselves by ourselves, the Bible says. There's only one that is supposed to judge. And, and if we understand Scripture and know uh, from Scripture, from the parable uh, of the, the, uh, the talents, that the only requisite that the master has for the steward is that they be found what? Faithful. That they be found faithful. Can I tell you tonight, it does not matter how much fruit you have as long as you've been faithful. There's a lot of people out there that teach other than this. I know the Bible says here, and as my Father glorified in that you bear much fruit, but he's dealing here with the idea of giving all that we have. That's faithfulness. You understand that the Bible says that some plant and some water, who gives the increase? He may give one man more increase than another, wouldn't he? And by the way, in the story of the talents, you remember what the response was to the man who, had ten, who got ten and the one who got five? Both of them. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why is this important? Because as we are faithful in our service to God and in our stewardship of what God has entrusted to us, we are picturing what God has given us to do here in Scripture. And if we step outside of that and we are not trying to be the servants of God, we are not trying to be the stewards of God, when the lost world looks at our life and sees our life, they do not see this truth of a servant of God or a man who has the truth or the light. And by the way, I believe it's vitally important. There was, back when I was a teenager, they, uh, they came out with this thing called lifestyle evangelism. I am a strong lifestyle evangelist person. I believe that you ought to live your message, but I also believe you've got to go and knock on the door and talk to them. I believe you've got to go to their face and spend some time spreading the gospel story. And our life is not enough, but the life must be there when we go out there and share the gospel with them. 
There's got to be something different. There's got to be something that is distinctively pointing to the fact that we're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember when Elijah was battling the prophets of Baal on the top of Mount Carmel? You ever read his prayer? 63 words, I think it is. And the fire falls from heaven. And in his prayer, he said, if this and if that and if this. And one of the things he says is, and if I be your servant, if I be a man of God, I think is the phrase that's used. Let fire fall from heaven. He was pretty bold about it. He wanted people to know. There are a lot of Christians today, I think, that try to camouflage their Christianity. They don't want people to know they're a Christian. You ever met somebody like that? A lot of folks that do that. They try to hide their Christianity. They don't want to have to endure and go through the criticism, the ridicule that sometimes comes with the fact that we know Christ and we have the answer there. We find in verse number uh, 3 as we continue on, it's a very small thing, that I should be judged of you. So we're looking to be judged by only God himself. I want you to notice that we're uh, not to judge between stewards but by the masters. Now, the three things I want you to see, first of all, number one, we are appointed by Jesus Christ. We are appointed by Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us in verse number one that we are to be ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. The things that we are stewards of, who do they belong to? They belong to God. He's entrusted them to us. He's given them to us to be stewards over. It is something that God has given us and has appointed us to be over. Uh, I believe that people are called by God to do certain things, that God gives us uh, times of distinct direction. It's interesting to note, I think it's in uh, Luke chapter 9, if I remember the the reference correctly, uh, that there were some men that uh, came to Christ and said, Lord, I will follow thee. And one of them, Christ goes to and says, I want you to follow me. But two of them volunteered. They said, Lord, I will follow thee. And I'll tell you, I think that ought to be the heart of a steward. That ought to be the heart of a servant. Uh, That we're willing to follow God. Whether he has called us to something yet or not, I heard a preacher say it this way one time, bloom where you're planted, do something until he shows you what he wants you to do. But one thing I know is that God has a specific plan for every single one of us. The plan he has for you is different than the plan he has for me. But we are to run that race with patience. We're to walk in those ways that God has laid before us, that path that he has stretched out before us, and he is appointing it. It is a plan that is custom made to my life. And the plan that he has for you is a plan that is custom made for your life. I want you to notice, first of all, that when it comes to this thing of being a minister of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God, that it's God that appoints us. He's the one that has entrusted us with these things. He's the one that we answer to. He is the master, if you will, in the relationship of the servant-master. I want you to notice, secondly, that we are accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he has appointed us, he's the only one we have to give an answer to. Uh, There are a lot of times that we will be criticized. If you haven't been there yet in the Christian life, it's coming, okay? 
There are going to be those that are going to look at what you've done for the Lord Jesus Christ, and there may be even brothers and sisters in Christ, sad to say, that will do this. And there will come criticism. Well, I sure wouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> you get into some churches, and uh, you, you try to do something that's a good thing, it's scriptural, it's biblical in the church to try to reach people with the gospel, and some dear sister or brother in Christ will come up and say, Well, Pastor... We've never done that before, and they're going to be critical about it. And, and I'm not saying we've got to come and, and try to mold and be like the world, but the only person that we're accountable to is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not accountable to some board or some uh, group of people off in some city somewhere. We're not accountable to the church down the street. To be real honest with you, in the area of my service and the, in the area of my stewardship, I'm not accountable to anybody other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's what he's appointed for me to do. He didn't appoint you to do that. On the other hand, he has appointed you to do something that he has not appointed me to do. And you are accountable only to him. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, let's take a look here. Verse number 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. One day when we stand before God to give an account of what we have done in this life, not for our sins, thank God for that, but for the things that we have done in our bodies, we will stand there by ourselves with Him giving an account of what we did. I'm not going to stand beside you and say, I, I, as much as I may want to, and say, well, pa uh, uh, Lord, I was his pastor, and let me vouch for him. You don't, you don't get that privilege. We're accountable only to him. We don't get the op uh, opportunity as parents to stand beside our kids one day as they stand before God and say, well, Lord, I was their parent, and I'll vouch for them. We stand there by ourselves and give an account to God. I'm thankful we have an advocate in the Lord Jesus Christ in that area, don't you? Amen. And then thirdly, I want you to understand that we are authorized by the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that has appointed us. He's the one we're accountable to. He's the one that gives us authority to do this. The Bible says more what is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. He gives us the authority to accomplish His work. And I want you to understand that in, when it comes to this relationship of master and steward, it's vitally, vitally important we understand the very first phrase of verse number 1. Let a man so account of us. We have a testimony. There ought to be something outwardly that stems from the inside, the inner man. There ought to be something that when we go to a lost and a dying world, they say there is a servant of God and there is a man who is a steward of the mysteries of God. He has the answer for what I need. Very important that we do this because just as we do not portray what God wants us to portray in other areas, so it is in the area of this relationship of master and servant. We know from Scripture the relationship God wants the master and the servant to have. 
And if we take that relationship and apply it to these few verses we've looked at tonight, we'll see what our responsibility is to God. We are to be simply obedient unto Him. And as we said this morning, our obedience ought not to be out of duty or obligation. While it has been commanded of us, our motivation ought never to be because I have to. But our motivation ought always to be because I get to. There was a song years ago my dad used to sing to us. After all he's done for me. Miss Evelyn, you might know it. After all he's done for me, how can I do less than give him my best and live for him completely after all he's done for me? My obedience is not based on the fact that I have to serve God. The idea that I am to be a servant of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God is not something that I look at as a grievous burden to me, but it is something that is a great privilege to me. I get the opportunity to walk out those doors tonight, and all week this week I'm walking around people that are lost. And I get to carry with me the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, there ought to be something different there. We looked this morning at the signs of a man who is filled with the Spirit. It's a man who sings to himself with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's a man who is thankful to God and grateful for the things that he's done for him. And it is a man who reflects those relationships that we found in Ephesians this morning. As we said this morning, I don't want you to take those things and say, okay, I'm going to try to do them outwardly. That's not being filled with the Spirit. What we're saying is we ought to desire to be filled with the Spirit so we can accomplish these things. We ought to desire to walk with God daily and have the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon our lives Can you imagine what it would be like if the power of God rested upon us in such a way that as we walked and came up to somebody that we were going to share the gospel with, their heart was already prepared and the Spirit of God worked in such a way that conviction came to their heart and God provides an increase. The sad fact of the matter is we live in a day where a lot of times we know the principles of Scripture We know the worldly and earthly pictures that God has given about spiritual principles. But a lot of times we don't follow them. And in not following them, we oftentimes degrade the vivid picture that God gives us. The illustration that He's given to me, and the illustration He's given to you, and the illustration He uses to share the gospel with the world that's in darkness. I hope that will be a help to you. I hope it hasn't been confusing. Uh, but that's the sum of the story as we dealt with the topics this morning, all right? Let's stand together, shall we, and have a word of prayer. Lord, we're thankful for your word. And, Father, we, we hope and we pray that before we ever even came in here tonight that we were yielded to what your Holy Spirit would do in our hearts and looking forward with expectation and anticipation that your word would transform our heart in some way that we would be drawn closer to you 
And Father, I pray that the truths that we have looked at tonight, this idea of being your servant and your steward, this minister of Christ and this steward of the mysteries of God, the idea that we're accountable to you, we've been appointed by you, and we've been given your authority to go do these things. We've been commissioned by you to do them. That, Father, we will do our best to inwardly be filled with the Spirit that we can accomplish these types of things in our life. That we can picture this to a lost and dying world, that as we share the gospel, there is a life to back it up. There is a testimony. Lord, you've made it very clear that we're to do good works, that men could see them and glorify you. And I pray that you would help us to be pointing men to you constantly. Take the messages that we've had throughout this day today, and Lord, I ask that you would burn them into our hearts and into our minds that we would not soon forget them, and that we would put them into practice and apply them to our hearts. As we give a time of invitation tonight, a time to respond, I pray that if there's someone in this room that does not know you as Savior, that they would get that matter settled tonight. I know it's our Sunday night crowd, Lord, but there are times that people just do not know. They battle with it. They struggle with it. So, Father, we'll give opportunity to respond to the truth of your word throughout the day. Perhaps it's been something we shared this morning in the message that your Holy Spirit has been working on our hearts about, or perhaps it's been something in the message tonight. I pray that you would use it. And, Lord, as your Holy Spirit sees fit, that we would commit ourselves to being your servant and that we would commit ourselves to being your steward. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed real quickly, we'll just have a verse or two of invitation. We're not going to prolong it. The message has been primarily for Christians, and I know that and understand it. And yet there are times, that even in a church service like this, that there are people who do not know Christ as their Savior. Perhaps they've been battling with it. But more importantly tonight, or as important tonight, is as a Christian, uh, how are we walking internally in our hearts and our minds in the inner man? Are we walking with God? Is there something that is being drawn in our hearts and our lives to the Holy Spirit? Are we seeking for Him daily? Are we asking for His aid and His help and His strength and His power and serving? I'm going to have the piano and organ play if they would for just a few moments. And I don't know how the Lord would have used the messages this morning. But I pray that he'll use them in a mighty way. If God's spoken in your heart and you need to come tonight, we'll be glad to do that and pray with you as they play. Fathers, we're dismissed. I pray that you'll dismiss us with your blessings. Lord, help us as we go through this week to be a testimony for you. Lord, the importance of living out these earthly things that you've given us to do to be an example. And then, Father, that we may have the boldness of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with those we come in contact with. Provide opportunity this week to share the gospel with them. And pray that you'll bless in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go real quick, I just want to ask you to pray about something. Um, 
yesterday, uh, my kids and I went to the Science Museum uh, up in St. Louis, and I've already shared this with a few folks, and they had a large group there from the University of Illinois, a bunch of scientists that had a bunch of different topics and different fields of science, and uh, Reagan and Jonathan and I spent probably about close to an hour, I would think, uh, with three different areas of science and talking with some of those scientists that were graduate students and perhaps some of them even professors and um, made some really good inroads and progress with them to uh, get them to question some of the things they were teaching about evolution and uh, poked a lot of holes in some things that they were holding to and got several of them to really considering and thinking about some things. And if you would make that a matter of prayer, if God would change even one of their hearts, it would be worth the time spent yesterday. Um, it was done in, in a careful way. We weren't offensive or anything, but we just wanted to ask, we asked some very probing questions that they couldn't answer. And uh, But uh, make that a matter of prayer. Could you do that? Uh, I, I, they were only there yesterday. I think they were packing up at the end of yesterday. And so we only had one opportunity. They're moving on. He said they might be taking it up to Washington, D.C. If even one of them would begin to question and think the things that we talked about them about, uh, could you imagine the impact it could have when they go up to Washington, D.C.? Uh, it could start a chain effect. So pray about that if you would um, and uh, that God would use that as well. All right? And uh, make sure you see the Snyders and thank them for being with us tonight. Okay, God bless y'all. Stroh Snyders? Okay, I'll, I'll get it right one of these.